Welcome to Control Intelligence, a control design podcast that goes deep inside the automation and technology that machine builders, system integrators, and end users rely on to keep production humming efficiently. In this episode, Control Design Editor-in-Chief Mike Bassador is joined by Matt Altendorf, CEO of Endress & Hauser Group. You can visit controldesign.com slash Hauser. That's controldesign.com slash plus sign Hauser for more information on this industry leader and its CEO. In 2019, and Hauser filed 318 patent applications, more than 1,100 of its 14,328 worldwide employees are working on new products, solutions, and services. The company also made progress in the area of sustainability. In the annual EcoVadis Sustainability Audit, Anderson Hauser achieved 72 points, four more than in 2018, placing it in the top 2% of the comparison group. By switching to green electricity in production, the Anderson Hauser Group was able to reduce CO2 emissions by more than one-third. New buildings meet the highest environmental standards. Anderson Hauser is currently constructing a new energy self-sufficient customer experience and training center in Canada. On the financial front, Anderson Hauser net income rose 14.3% in 2019, and the company's equity ratio reached 75.6%, a 4.6% increase over 2018. Despite worldwide investments of 231 million euros, the Anderson Hauser Group is virtually free of bank loans. Over the past five years, the company has invested more than 840 million euros in new buildings, plants, and machinery. Matt Altendorf is CEO of Anderson Hauser Group. He started his career with Anderson Hauser with vocational training as a mechanic, followed by studies, stays abroad, and further education. All of this led to several positions within the company until he took over as managing director of the group's largest production center. He joined Anderson Hauser's executive board in 2009 and then took the helm as CEO in 2014. Matt is a member of the extended board of the German Electrical and Electronic Manufacturers Association, as well as the advisory board of the Baden Economic Association of Industrial Companies. He's also on the board of directors of the Swiss Kistler Group. Matt has a keen interest in management theory, especially the topics of innovation and cooperation, and he likes to spend his free time sailing, playing chess, restoring vintage motorcycles, and working his own piece of the forest. Matt, welcome, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for the introduction. <laughs> Matt, first, this is a standard question that we, we pretty much ask everyone. What are the three key things that a machine builder, system integrator, or manufacturer should want to know about Anderson Hauser? Well, I think from, from our perspective, I would say we are a leading value and technology-driven global supplier for process automation equipment. We are family-owned with the widest high-quality and innovative product basket, and we are focused on people who make, through process automation equipment, in production or machines, a better world in a sustainable fashion. I think this describes in a nutshell what the people for process automation are. Excellent. What about the new technologies? I know over the years, I've been to the Greenwood facility many times with the introduction of not just new products, but new buildings, new divisions, new training centers. What are some of the newer technologies that are driving your product development there at Anderson Hauser? 
And I think there are a few elements I can share. I think one element is for sure everything which has to do with digitalization. And this can be, you know, that you have wireless communication protocols, this might be cloud services, this might be IT security, everything around that area plays a role basically in our daily life today. And this goes from seamless integration in any kind of platforms, wireless, cloud-based, or even fully digital engineering tasks. This is one area. The second area I would say is everything which has to do with optical measurements in any kind of applications. However, specifically, we use this for, process for the process analytical world and for non-contact measurements. And in the non-contact measurements, like the radar, free space radar, ultrasonic, or optical waves play a significant role for future technologies. And last but not least, I would say more basic sensor technology, which is focused on determining through the RNA or DNA or molecules a specific behavior of biochemical reactions. And I'll give an example. We have one sensing element, for example, which can determine or detect the lactate levels in a cell. And this is very important for future genetically engineered type products. And those four elements, I would say, are at the moment where we are working on and gets a lot of attention and priorities. Hmm. I noticed one of the things you mentioned was the radar. Is that, at least from Anderson Hauser's perspective, is that a newer alternative to, say, ultrasonic measurement that is really coming into the forefront these days, or is it just another tool in the toolbox? Well, I think, you know, the radar has gained a lot of traction based on the fact that the automotive industry uses this quite intensively, you know, for uh, securing the cars, anyway, for, for parking or high-value cars that you don't take the door, to the, the door to the concrete wall, basically. This electronics as well as chips have become lower in, in the commercial value, and people do not have to do so much embedded on their own, and therefore it brings down the cost and it gets the benefits of the, of the microwave technology towards process measurement, basically. Does it completely replace the ultrasonic? No, it doesn't because the ultrasonic still has its market spot where, where people will use it, but it has, has made it basically more popular in other areas. And the second point is it goes also down to low power technology. And at the moment you have something which is low power technology, then you can use something which is transportable or a mobile uh, application. And our new uh, free space radar, which we can use on any type of plastic tanks or movable tanks inside the factory, this helps mm -hmm. then the customer to, to overcome the interlogistics inside his plant. Well, great points. What about customer efficiencies? Can you explain how Anderson Hauser helps machine builders and system integrators to raise their, their efficiencies? I guess there are several steps uh, we can support them with the Anderson Hauser ecosystem and products. The easiest part is easy selection of the right purpose product, you know, that, that everybody who wants a product for a certain application can easily select it, and it's the right technology for the right application. Then I would say the fully digital capabilities of the engineering process, as well as the buying process and support process, which you can have completely digital. This saves you time and gains efficiency on that area. We are open for any kind of digital integration needed, and we ensure through intensive tests that it works with other automation components through our partnership program we established. That also helps save time because 
If you use a PLC from A and you use a product from B, sometimes they don't talk to each other and we have an integrated partner program and we also align ourselves as a preferred partner with Rockwell. So when you buy a Rockwell PLC and an Anders Naus equipment, they perfectly match and this saves time in the integration part uh, for both parties. But we also have this for other uh, automation component suppliers. Then uh, we have easy installation routines on both sides and we try to make everything faster and also limit the amount of mistakes, reduce the amount of mistakes when you integrate products in a higher level systems. And I would say our competence in logistics and project management paired with a wide product basket allows us to provide application solutions and become a main instrumentation vendor for our customers. You can buy things out of one hand and you can be ensured it will work. Excellent. Those are important to go hand in hand like that. Yeah. <laughs> I know earlier you talked about some cloud applications and cybersecurity, but can you speak a little bit about the industrial internet of things, or I guess over there it's industry 4.0. They're not really the same, but, but very closely related. How does that figure in your business strategy at Anderson Hauser, either as part of your own production or as part of the technology that you talked about earlier that, that you're including in your products? Well, let's start with our own product and logistics chains. Today, we are highly sophisticated in that area that our whole production network around the world, as well as the logistic chain, is based on IIoT or Industrial 4.0, they will call it, applications. We couldn't manufacture today billions on variations just in time and build by order if we wouldn't have implemented over the last 20 years this kind of technologies in all factories and with a high integration into our own IT and ERP system, you know. Today, basically, we cannot produce it without those systems because they help us to trace the right materials at the right time. It helps us to lead and guide the colleagues in the manufacturing environment, and it basically allows us to build on order in real time and do not stock products and still have a fast delivery. And this allows us as well to deliver this value through our products and services to our customers by providing basically the digital twin right from the birth of the order. Right from the birth of the order, we start to establish the digital twin uh, for our customers. Mm -hmm. And it ends basically in the life cycle when the product would become out of order. And the IIT is a key element of all aspects we are doing in the product design, in the manufacturing process, in the service aspect, as, but as well as in the sales and engineering area. We use this and we believe this, this generates a lot of advantages for our customers by either being faster, either being more secure and more safe at the end of the day, or helping him to be transparent to improve the, the processes he has. Of course, this all applies to us as a manufacturer, you know, because we want to be faster, we want to save costs, we want to have transparency in the process to improve the processes where the customers benefit from. Right. Excellent. Well, I mean, that's one of many technologies. How will machine automation and controls and industrial networking applications and remote connectivity and the Internet of Things and big data, how will all that alter the way that Anderson Hauser or its customers are going to be staffing their operations in the future? Is that something you've thought about going forward? Yeah, I think this has several aspects of it. I would say, first of all, the digitalization will change the way how we control a process and how we use humans to do it, and therefore partly changes the way how machines or manufacturing processes will be designed. 
And I think we had a, a real example in the COVID-19 uh, story that for Anderson House, we had up to 10,000 people in the home office and still the company was running and working, you know. So mm-hmm. from that point of view, I think this, this, this new work will change the landscape in the office or engineering landscape and work but it also will change the landscape inside the, the manufacturing world where people really assembly and produce the products. One example I would say is to find out what problem a machine or a process has. Nobody needs to be close to the machine anymore. In the past, you know, people had to, to see the machine, feel it, touch it, see it. Um, and today I think this is not needed. You could do this electronically. You can do this remotely. This means less risk, less cost, less time, more efficient. And we really did this now in COVID-19 that we can even help people over the smartphone to detect the problem and even solve the problem from that point of view. I think it also will be more data and fact-based because we have more data and then we can locate a problem more on the facts. It might be that we need less experts out in the field. We might have experts in the back end and they can support other experts which might not have the detailed knowledge yet. I think we can be more predictive, we can be fast in analyzing, and the connection between other suppliers and customers is possible easily. And I think an ecosystem becomes decisive for the way of doing business in the future. And this ecosystem, of course, has to be somehow digitally and emotionally connected. All this leads to new capabilities around remote servicing, what we call uh, the real rear glasses, or even uh, new smart commissioning. Um, which we have a new smart commissioning app, uh, which you can use with the Anderson House on the Tillian Cloud. I mentioned already earlier the IIT radar from sensing into the cloud or an ERP system directly integrated. And it also, of course, supports the main instrumentation vendor capabilities. So it, it will change the content and the type of work we all do in process automation. Right. Do you see a, a difference between, say, Europe, and the United States in terms of what customers are really open to accepting in terms of the capabilities of that remote connectivity. I seem to get the impression that here in the United States, there is that much larger focus on maintenance and reliability, reducing asset downtime, whereas in Europe, it seems to be a little more focused on refining engineering capacity or optimizing operations. Yeah, I I know what you mean. I think it depends a little bit also on the industry. One thing you always have to understand from a European perspective, uh, and and I I have uh, the pleasure to live in the United States for almost two years. United States is not a country, it's a continent from, from just from the dimensions. When we, when we are sitting in Germany, we basically can reach every customer in a day. You can't do that in the States necessarily. So the right. remoteness you know, of the customers or the proximity to the customers opens you up that you have remote capabilities. And we have seen this in the States, for example, for our complex analyzer systems, we do not want to send the expert out for two days out in the field just to press a button, change a fuse or whatever. And there, the customer and we save a lot of time by having remote service, remote capability from that type of applications. And on the other hand, people using this technology, of course, to use the limited amount of engineering resources to cover a broader base. And that's something which is in Europe quite often used as well. So it it takes both elements and both aspects, and it depends a little bit on the industry itself. We have seen that this remote analyzer business, which is in the heart of the oil and gas business, 
was not an issue because security was stable or safe and the benefit is so huge the customers do it. Mm-hmm. Would people do that in a, in a controlled pharmaceutical process? Nah, I don't think so because people really have to be compliant to what the, the governmental bodies tell them how to do that and then you would not like to do that. Mm-hmm. Smaller companies are more open maybe like, like large-scale companies because then the IT system doesn't allow you to do that. I think this is in movement and if the security problem um, is solved for the most of the companies, uh, then I believe this will take place on all edges because you can save time and you can be more efficient and you can use your limited engineering resources in a much broader way. Right. That makes perfect sense. Then regarding the ITOT convergence that uh, we've all been talking about for a few years now, as engineering and, and IT continue that, do you have a sense of which one is or, or will be leading the direction of future automation and technology, at least at Anderson Hauser? Are they coming together or is one tending to overshadow the other? No, I think they're coming together, you know, because I believe IT in the pure way like like we know it in our private life can most likely never overcome the domain uh, of process knowledge a machine mm-hmm. or manufacturing process has. And this is partly because it is embedded software, it's specific mechanical designs or even electronic hardware based. And this is specific to what the application task is. This will remain somehow specific and will not become generic in my opinion and therefore does not go to the mainstream IT world. And this is in the interest of the customer and of course it's in the interest of the supplier because from a safety perspective this is critical but also from a performance perspective this is critical. However, where those applications run, if it is in an embedded environment, a cloud, a PC, a PLC, a DCS system or the device itself doesn't matter so much in the future anymore. And then I believe standard IT security mechanism as well as protocols like Ethernet, Wi-Fi or Bluetooth will become standard like we know it today in our private world from IT technology because it's cheaper and it's robust and it's pragmatic also with the mobility, with the mobility devices. And we can assume that bandwidth will be almost unlimited wherever we go and therefore this changes the way of connectivity too. So I believe the both worlds will come together as long as you have dedicated applications, security, safety aspects, real-time aspects, there will be always a specific process automation world. However, the broader perspective of IT will convert into the process automation world. Mm-hmm. And we use standard components from the IT world because the IT network basically extends itself into the process automation world. Mm-hmm. As it becomes just more ubiquitous. Exactly. It's yeah, it's just part of the landscape overall. All right. Well, I do have one more question for you. Can you talk a little bit, you know, as I mentioned before, I've been down at the Greenwood facility many times and it just seems like you keep investing and investing more and more and the, the campus just keeps expanding there. But can you talk a little bit about the investments overall that Anders and Hauser have made in the U.S. business over the past several years and maybe even talk a little bit about your plans for future investments in technology? So I think in the past, uh, we have invested more than 150 million, I would say, U.S. dollars in the States. And last year, we inaugurated the new plant in Ann Arbor for the process analyzers. And now we are just right now in the process of finishing in Perland in Houston, Texas, a new sales 
and training center of the south basically and if i sum this up then we have invested in the last five years roughly 200 million us dollars in the states besides the money i would say i would like to mention we invest as well in the next generation we we always invest in the next generation of of, of people um, because we must be able to connect with students of all different ages through our programs and events we host some of these events and programs have oriented at the U.S. headquarters, you know, in Greenwood, Indiana. Others are more in the regions uh, at the end of the day. And, and I think we, we take a lot of effort and we also take a lot of pride to develop basically the young, uh, the young human beings that they become part of the product process automation community. And we do this in all different ways. And we invented also a few things. We, we brought the European ap apprenticeship program over to the States because we had good experience in Switzerland, Germany. We also developed a program in the States, what we call the rotational engineering program. And we also participate in community career and education forums. So for me, it's also important. It's not, not just in the physical world we invest. We also invest in the capability world of educating young people. In the Pearland campus, which we established in the Houston area for the Gulf region, basically, we try to be very close and have a close proximity to our customers there in the Gulf regions. We will have process training units because we believe also education for existing customer base is very important. And we network that and we also will do this together with our partner vector controls and the automation group and first time we also implement basically a laboratory where we can bring our analytic gainer um, process laboratory equipment from raman gas analyzers but also mass spectroscopy into it so the customer can experience a world from what do I do in the lab and what do I do in the process and I can build the bridge between the lab and the process and that's what we're doing also first time in the Houston area. And of course, in the future, you ask about what is the future investment. Of course, this always depends how the business is growing, but we are prepared to invest even further because as soon as we need space to expand, we will do that. And we have enough space in Greenwood, we have now enough space in Houston and we have enough space in Ann Arbor. And most likely on the long run, we also have to do something more in California. And what about reinvestment in R&D? Well, today I think it depends, but I would say today we have pure R&D. I would say we have 8% of our um, revenue goes back to basically the R&D. This does not include industrial engineering and it does not include process manufacturing. When I would add that, I think we become even above 10% because for some of our equipment, you know, we really have to design also the manufacturing process and in the industrial engineering area. And that's part of what we call innovation to be different and to be better for our customers. And if you consider that, we most likely become above 10%. We reinvest into this continuation of being innovative. Fantastic. Well, some, some great insights. Matt Altendorf, CEO, Anderson Housing Group, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time, and thanks for the good questions. And everybody should stay safe, stay healthy, and I'm looking forward to talk to you next time. Thanks to Matt Altendorf for taking the time to talk this afternoon. He certainly shed some new light on the future of controls automation and measurement. Remember to visit controldesign.com slash Hendersonhauser. That's controldesign.com slash the plus sign, Hauser. For more information on this industry leader and its CEO, thanks to our listeners for joining us on this episode of Control Intelligence.